0: Uh, So, um, I don't normally get phone calls uh, from people that I don't know. But I got a phone call uh, pretty recently uh, from somebody that I didn't know very well. Um, They called me uh, because uh, a friend had uh, showed them Uh, one of my sermons on Facebook. And uh, uh, this person said a lot of different things. But one of the things uh, that uh, this person shared, and I want to share with you guys, is um, she said when she first uh, saw this uh, title, she was super-duper offended. And she said... Uh, I didn't, I put away, I said, I'm so offended by this title that I'm not going to even listen to it. Uh, uh, She succumbed later to her curiosity. Uh, She did get to it. But it's very true. If you think about it, with all the things that are going on right now, the fire and all these things, for me to actually say that pain is a gift for these people who are going through a lot of different pain and struggles right now, this is a spit in their face to actually say that uh, that pain can be a gift. So, I'm aware of that. And yet, as we end our series on the gift of pain, I am more and more certain that pain in this sinful world that we live in is absolutely a gift. And you know what? Today, I'm going to take it another notch. And um, people might be actually more, even more uh, surprised and taken aback at the statement, but this is actually a statement that shows up over and over again in the Bible. And so I thought it was very appropriate that we end our series, The Gift of Pain, uh, with this phrase. And when you first hear it, it's going to be the same, same exact thing. Some of you guys might be offended, and some of you guys might be like, what? How, what, how can you say that? And the expression that you, we see over and over in the Bible is this idea of rejoicing and suffering. Again, those are, in your mind, totally contradictory things. Joy, pain, these are things that can never be together. And yet, we're going to see throughout the Bible, and we're going to see from our text today, how we can actually Rejoice and be joyful, okay? not after the pain, but within the pain. Today's Bible verse, will be start, uh, we'll uh, read together from Habakkuk. Uh, if you guys have never heard of this prophet before, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, it's towards the end of uh, Old Testament, if you are looking for it in your Bible. Habakkuk Chapter 3, uh, I'm gonna read from verse 1 and 2 and from 16 through 19. This is the word of God, of prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigadnath. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear? In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. Verse 16. I hear, and my body, body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet, I will quietly wait for the Lord of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though... The fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit on, be on the vines. The produce of the vine fail, and the fields yield no food. The flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, God. The Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. This is the word of God. Now, we see here Habakkuk saying this amazing, amazing poetry, which he is saying. He's thinking about all the things God has done. And he's also thinking about the calamities that will come before him. We see that here. He tells us in verse 16, he says, day of calamity is coming. He knows that nation is invading us at this moment. So just to give you a history lesson, he's living in Judah and the Babylonians are coming. God had told the Israelites over and over again through different prophets, Babylonians are coming. Babylonians are coming. And so he knows that this is going to happen. And he's saying, this is the situation that we're in. The Babylonians are coming. And these are all the things that are happening with us. No bud, no grapes, produce. So work is not happening. No sheep, no cattle. All of our stuff that we have, it's all gone. So this person, he's not saying, I praise you, God, because of the situation he's in. Because his situation, his nation is about to get invaded. Not only that, there's no produce, there's no work, and there's no position. So this is a person who is devastated, who is like Job, who has lost everything. And yet, he says, I will rejoice. I will be joyful. Again, he does not say, after all these things have passed, I will rejoice you. It didn't come yet. I will rejoice you. It says, no, these things will take place. And I'm going through this situation right now. And I will rejoice. How is this possible? In 1851... There was an English missionary his name is Ellen Gardner he was a captain and he was shipwrecked on a small island tip of uh, the bottom tip of um, uh, South America uh, because it was shipwrecked uh, one by one the crew members started dying and he was actually the last one uh, to die uh, he wrote uh, he kept a journal and that's why we uh, know about all the events that were happening And his last entry uh, before he died, and by the way, we found his uh, journal right next to his body, so we know that it was his. Uh, He wrote Psalms 41 verse 10, and it goes like this. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is a person who is dying of hunger. This is a man who's dying, lonely. All of his friends around him have died, and he's the last one to die. And he writes this in his last journal. He says, all of these other things, they're in need, but me who is dying, I have no need. And this is what he writes under. He says, I am overwhelmed with the goodness of God. how is this possible? We, a lot of us, we can't even say this when things are going well. I am overwhelmed with goodness. This man is dying alone, starving, and he says, I am overwhelmed with God's goodness. Don't you guys want this kind of faith? Where like, seriously, we're like, no matter what the situation is, that you can still say I am overwhelmed with God's love for me. That even though you have absolutely nothing, absolutely devastated, you're able to say the same thing that Habakkuk is saying, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I mean, don't don't we all want that? Whether you believe in God or not, don't you want to be like that, have that strong mentality where no matter what situation happens, that you're not shaken? This is exactly what the Bible is actually teaching us. You know what? That you could actually smile in the storm. That you're not going to be shaken. That you can still be overwhelmed with God's love. Despite your situations. Now, we're going to go over three things. What does it mean to rejoice in tribulation? What does when does this rejoicing happen and how do we do it? So once again, what does it mean? When do we do this? And how do we do this? Uh, we, get, we get a glimpse of this in verse 19. He says, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So the imagery or the metaphor that he uses is that he is like a deer who is traversing around this high mountain. Okay. Now, first thing we have to understand is in the ancient times, high mountain was very, very, very dangerous. Well, even now, it's very dangerous, right? Because if you go to the high mountains, any bad step that you take, you can fall over and you could be seriously injured. Okay? And yet, for the ancient times, high places was actually In other sense, safer. So, okay, when in one sense, it's dangerous because it's very dangerous. The playing field is not leveled. One bad step, you can fall over and you could die. And yet, it was very, very safe as well. Why? If you were, imagine, okay, building your town or a castle on top of a hill, it's a very safe place to be. Why, number one? Because if your enemies are coming up to you, then you have the upper hand. Not only that, because you are in a higher place, you're able to see everything that is happening. You have perspective. If enemy is coming towards you, then you're able to see that they're coming and you can prepare ahead of time. So, it is difficult to be living in high places and yet there's advantages. Now, what is he talking about? He's saying that when we're going through a difficult time, we can be like this deer, where it is absolutely dangerous, it is very difficult, and yet it can lift us higher. When suffering comes, we talked about this idea many different times. You have a choice. You can take pain and suffering as a gift, or you can take it as a curse we talked about how it's really, really up to the sufferer, whether you're going to grab onto God or you're going to let go and run away and be totally devastated. So we know this, okay? You've seen people where they're going through trials and some people, they actually become more tender and more soft. And you know some people that actually get harder. Some people who go through suffering, they become more empathetic and compassionate because they have gone through that pain and they understand other people better. Or some people, they get more cynical and bitter. Some people, they become more humble. Some, they become more arrogant. How arrogant? In the sense that they go, my pain right now is so unique to me. No one understands me. I am a victim. I am noble. I am self-righteous. Some become stronger and are able to face harder situations. And some, they become more fragile and easily broken. Some become so sweet. And some become so sour. So in other words, suffering will lead you somewhere. Okay? After you go through suffering and pain, you're not the same. Either you have become a better person and much better at handling pain, or you have become much worse and much more fragile to pain and suffering. There is no such thing as staying uh, stagnant. Either... As this verse is saying, you can allow God, when you are going through pain and suffering, to enable you to get you higher and closer to God. Or you can enable pain and suffering to bring you down and devastate you. It's it's amazing. I mean, you could uh, type this on YouTube. Uh, There were a lot of different videos, but one of the videos I watched, this person who has has kids pretty young, in his 40s, knows that he's going to die, but he says, I am so glad for this suffering. I know I'm going to die earlier. I know I'm going to die earlier. I know I'm going to spend less time with my kids. But I am so glad because right now I feel so close to God. I wouldn't trade this for more years of life. You see? You see interviews like that. You see people with testimonies like that of where suffering and pain actually lifts them up. And like Habakkuk is able to say, you know what, through this, through this difficult trial, and pain it's what's going to lift me up it's what's going to get me closer to god what's going to give me a broader perspective what's going to make me stronger and yet we have seen people where because of pain and suffering it has totally devastated us it has Causes us to be bitter towards ourselves or to God, other people, society, and that we have been totally consumed by it. So, this is what it means to rejoice in tribulations. That we can still rejoice. Why? Because it's through pain and suffering in this sinful world, of course. Not because ideally this is what God wanted for us, but in this sinful world, it's through pain and suffering that's going to make us soar above. That's going to make us climb to the top of the mountain. Now, when does this happen? Once again, the idea that we have is peace is going to come after things get better, okay? I can rejoice, I can praise God if God does something, if God brings me a miracle, if my husband or wife changes, if my kids listen to me better, if I get a better job. And yet, this is not what Habakkuk says. He says, I know calamity is coming. Look at me, look at the situation that he's in. This is how he des- uh, describes himself. He says, my heart is pounding. My lips are quivering. So everything is shaking because of fear. And yet, he says, I will wait patiently. The, uh, the Hebrew word, uh, wait patiently, is better, probably better translated as this deep, deep peace that he has. So again, this seems like totally contradicting things. How how is it possible for you to be going through fear where you're shaking like a reef, and yet you have, he's saying at the same time, I have this kind of peace. Because for us, we think of it as totally separate things. Either you are going through an emotional, fearful time, or you're going through peace. Same thing. It's either you're going through immense pain and suffering or you're being joyful. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's actually both. It is actually when you are going through pain and suffering that you will experience true peace and true joy. So some of us, we think, okay, so pastor, does that mean that when I'm going through like difficult times, when I'm like very emotional or I'm really sad, that I should just like man up? Like, like you know, like stiffen up a lip and just like stick with it and imagine that I don't feel pain? That's like uh, stoicism. If you guys don't know what stoicism means, it's basically, you know what, feelings, emotions, I don't feel it. That's not the case either. Okay, because we see Job where he, do you remember when he loses everything? He tore his robe. He's crying out to God, yet he worships God. And the Bible verse says, Job sinned not. So it's this whole idea that you can be going through immense pain and suffering and you are emotional and you're going through very difficult time, and yet you can still hold on to this peace. That you are going through immense pain, and yet within or the midst of this pain and struggle, that you still choose to rejoice. This is not the perfect, this is not the best analogy, but one of the analogies is this. Um, right now, our heaters are not working. Uh, we'll get that fixed soon. But I'm sure, since the weather is getting colder these days, uh, all of you guys are turning on your heater. Think of it as heater, right? As heater, how does heater work? Heater really works by the heater. There's a sense, sense, uh, sense in there, or sensor in there, where it detects the cold air. So as the cold air it's getting colder and colder, what happens? The heater actually turns up the heat more and more and more. And so it's this idea, this concept, that as you are going through pain, as you are going through suffering, it's like that heater that is boosting up that joy and that peace within you. So once again, we have to understand that peace and joy does not come after pain has disappeared. After situation has become better. No. It is something that you have to choose. And and it's not a perfect analogy, like I said, because heaters, it does it automatically. But for us, we don't. For us, we can get colder. For us, we can get even firmer and strong, uh, um, weaker, right? Like we talked about previously. But we have to turn up the heater. We have to be very, very very conscious of what we're doing. We have to be very intentional and say, this is what's going to keep me closer to God through these difficult times. So once again, when does this rejoicing happens? It does not happen after situations have become better. It is during, it is within the suffering that you can experience joy. Now, I'm going to give you um, a personal uh, story of uh, this happening to me. About 10, how long has it been since I graduated college? Uh, About 10 years ago, maybe about 12 years ago, um, it's actually this guitar right here. So I was, it was actually around this time because it was Thanksgiving. Um, I'm so dumb. I, I guess I was in a hurry to leave. Um, and I was going home for about four days. I was going to take my guitar, but I totally forgot to take it because I was in a hurry. I come back, and some of you guys uh, who went to PUC before, the heaters are against the wall, like window area, and it's on the bottom part, like this uh, hot coil thing on the bottom, and there's like a protector. I come back to my room, and my guitar, and my gu- inside the guitar case, is right next to the heater. Okay? Uh, if you guys don't know, guitar is wood. Uh, next to a fire, or something really hot, not very, very good. Okay? It was there for at least four days. Four full days. Okay? When I first touched it, I couldn't even touch it because it was so hot. The guitar case. Um, for those of you guys who are like, oh, it's just the guitar, not a big deal. Okay. Um, the guitar, it costs about $2,000. Okay? So for me, uh, this was like 2008, so inflation, maybe like, you know, 10000 no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Probably not that much. Uh, but anyways, as a young kid, I was only, what, uh, 18, 19 at that time. My guitar was everything to me. Okay? So I opened it and i played it and it didn't play it was like dig 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 because um basically some of the metal and um because it sucked out all the moisture from the wood it like there were cracks but what was really interesting is uh during that break i remember i went to vespers at my church and one of the um it wasn't a pastor. It was one of the other students, older, older uh, young of mine. And he was giving Bible study, and he, he talked about Job. And he talked about how real Christians are Christians who is able to rejoice and thank God even when, situa- when bad things happen. And I thought of that for some reason at that exact moment. When I was devastated, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is a $2,000 guitar that I just got. And yet, when I thought about that, when I thought about, you know what? I'm going to actually praise God. I don't know what I'm going to thank Him about, but I'm just going to praise God. And so, without my guitar, I started singing. And you know what's crazy? Is, at that moment when I lost, probably at that time, most important thing to me, I felt this immense peace within me. Now, if you guys see, my guitar is safe now, but when I was praising, that that wasn't the case. I wasn't thinking that my guitar was going to get better. I thought my guitar was totally gone. It was totally salvaged. But yet, at that time, I was able to experience God's peace. So what does it mean to go through rejoicing and tribulation? Like I said, it's like going to high mountain. When does it happen? It doesn't happen afterwards. It happens during. And last part, how do we do this? How do we rejoice? Right? Because it's easy to just say, you guys should do this. But actually, when you are going through a very difficult time, I mean, imagine if I just say this to people who came from paradise. They just lost everything. This is very difficult. And yet, we have to understand, this is not a feeling. A lot of us, we wait and we are longing for feeling. This, this feeling of rejoice, feeling of happiness. But he does not say that. He uses this word as a verb. He says, I will rejoice. Not feel joy. I will rejoice. So what that tells us is that it's not just a feeling that comes and goes, something that we can control, but it's something you can choose to do. So how do we do this? So again, it's not a feeling, it's a discipline. So how do we do this? We do this by looking at the cross. It is when we're going through painful situations and we are suffering that we have to be like these three individuals looking at the cross. A couple of thoughts that you are to think about as we summarize this series is number one, It is easy when we're going through pain and suffering to run away from the cross, to run away from God. But we have to recognize it is only Jesus who is able to save us from our pain and suffering. It is only Jesus who is able to give us an answer to pain and suffering. That pain and suffering is a great reminder that something is wrong with us. That something is wrong with this world. That this is not the way it's supposed to be. As you see Jesus hanging on the cross, an innocent man who has done absolutely nothing, when you see injustice, you say, this is absolutely not right. And this is what we are to tell our hearts as well. That this is not our world. I know that our society tells us that we got to make the best life here that you got to do everything you can to live comfortably here but you know that that's not true this is just a false security paradise is only 90 miles from us it could happen to us at any minute everything can be stripped away just like this one accident one mad one bad driver could wipe us away. This is not our world. This is not our sickness, the things that we go through. This is not the way it's supposed to be. It's a reminder once again. Number three, as you look at the cross, you see a great counselor. You see somebody who's not just saying, it is well. Be at peace, my son. But it is Jesus who's actually going through pain and suffering, who understands your pain and suffering more than you do. You can come to Him. Last week, we talked about how it is through pain and suffering that He brings goodness out of the situation. That He, we're like gold that's been tarnished by sin and brokenness and addictions. And God, who is able to use the fire and refine us. And still bring goodness out of these horrific situations. Some of you guys, you feel like, I'm so far away from God. Or man, I haven't prayed in such a long time. Or man, I, I'm, I, I just have gone too far. I have made just too many mistakes. And God is saying, even through all your crap, I'm able to bring goodness out of it. Because I am a good God. We have a special song prepared for you. And as uh, Karen and Erica comes up, uh, I want to read you uh, some of the lyrics of the song. You guys come up. The lyrics goes like this. Even when my strength is lost, I'll praise you. Even when I have no song, I'll praise you. Even when it's hard to find the words, I'll praise you. Even when the fight seems lost, I'll praise you. Even when it hurts so, so much, I'll praise you. Even when it makes no sense whatsoever, I'll praise you louder, then I'll sing your praise. I will only sing your